Let's say it like we mean it. He's praying for me. What is Jesus doing right now? He's at the right hand of the Father. He's not praying that we never have a trial. He's praying that when we go through the trial, we come out like gold and our faith is stronger than it's ever been. He's praying for us. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. The Bible has much to say about death and dying. And lets us know that when the big one comes and we leave this world, Jesus is there to carry us to the other side. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us this time. Today we're starting a new message I'm calling, When the Big One Comes. The Bible has a lot to say about death, dying, and the world to come. It informs us that people who don't have faith in Christ live all their lives out in bondage to fear over the day they will die. And it also records the comforting words of Jesus regarding heaven and the promise of eternal life for those who place their faith in Him. Today we're going to look at several of the promises given by our Savior, as well as explore what heaven will be like. So grab your Bible and follow along as I share on the message, When the Big One Comes. I'm going to talk to you about when the big one comes. And I'm not talking about the return of Christ, although I am going to talk about that today, but that's not the gist. I'm not talking about the uh, Armageddon. I'm talking about that moment when your body stops and your body dies, when the big one comes. Let me tell you something about death. It has a 100% success rate. Unless we're here when Jesus returns, we're all going to die one day. And I want to tell you what the Bible says about that. And it's encouraging. It's not, I can hear some of you already, oh, no, he's talking about death. I should have stayed home. No, no. We need to hear the hope of the gospel. We need to hear the hope that Jesus gave to us. So I want to read three verses that any funeral that I ever preach, I always read these verses. There's no greater words of hope from Jesus than what we're about to read. He tells us about heaven, death and dying, eternal life, and his return. John 14, 1 through 3. John 14, 1 through 3. I want us to read it together. Are you ready? Let's read. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. You know, Jesus always said, truly, truly, I say to you. What he's saying here is, if what I'm telling you wasn't true, I would have told you it wasn't true. But since it is true, I'm telling you that it's true. And he says, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's good news. That's good news. Now, unfortunately, the translators, when they translated the Bible, because, you know, originally there were not chapters. There were no chapters in the Bible. 
It was just one running continuum. But then the translators, they put chapters there, and I'm glad they did it for the most part because it helps break it up. And when you memorize Scripture, you do it by chapter and so on and so forth. But unfortunately, they broke chapter 13 and 14 up when the narrative is really something that is together, that is happening without a break. You see, chapter 13 is a heavy chapter. Jesus has told his disciples several things that really troubled them, that really ran a number on them. Jesus has told them in chapter 13, I'm about to go away. I'm about to leave you. I'm not going to be with you much longer. And they looked at him, didn't understand. You know, they never really had a clue what was going on until the day of Pentecost. They never really had a clue. He said, I'm about to go away. And so it's not going to be long. We don't have long together. This troubled them. They didn't understand it. And then he said, furthermore, I want you to know, they were at the first Lord's Supper. He said, I also want you to know that my betrayer is at this table. It's one of you. One of you are going to betray me. And they looked at each other, they, total consternation. Who could it be? Is it me? Is it you? I'll never do that. I couldn't do that. Who in the world at this table could do that? John asked him, who's going to do it? And John leaned on Jesus' chest and said, Lord, who will it be? Somebody partaking of this supper is going to do it. Jesus told them that. That was heavy. That troubled them. One of them was going to rat out Jesus. But then at the very end of chapter 13, Jesus looked at his star pupil, his star disciple, Simon Peter, and says to Simon Peter, Simon, you think you're never going to leave me. You think you will never betray me or walk out on me. But I'm telling you, Simon, you are going to deny me not once, not twice, but three times. You're going to do it, Simon. They all heard it. And Simon was their leader. Simon was the leader of the pack, and he's telling the leader of the pack, you're going to deny me three times, Simon. And Simon Peter said, not me, never. I will never go there, Lord. It's never going to be done by me. But he did. Now, those three things lead into chapter 14. So no wonder, as soon as he told Simon Peter, um, Simon, you're going to deny me. He begins chapter 14, verse 1 with, Now, guys, don't let your hearts be troubled. I've just told you three heavy things, but don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And he begins to talk to them about heaven, death, and dying, eternal life, and his return. Because these announcements of his had fallen like a thunderbolt on this small group of disciples who had left everything and followed him. So understandably, they're troubled. But he says, let not your heart be troubled. I want to comfort you right now in the next three verses. He said, let not your heart be troubled. That word trouble comes from a Greek word that means to be thrown into fear or anxiety or confusion. Guys, don't let your heart be thrown into fear. Don't let your heart have anxiety. Don't be weighed down with anxiety. And don't let yourself be confused about some of the things that I've said or an uncertain future. I don't want you to be confused and I don't want you to have anxiety. And I want you to notice he puts it on them. He says, I don't want you to let it happen. You're in charge of your heart. You're in charge of your thoughts. You're in charge of what you allow to your heart to fellowship with. We can fellowship with fear or we can fellowship with the Holy Ghost. We can fellowship with doubt or we can fellowship with faith. We can fellowship with Jesus or we can fellowship with the flesh. Our heart is in 
our control. He says, don't let, don't allow your heart to get rattled, shaken, moved away from the promises of God and your hope in Jesus Christ. Don't let it happen to you. You're in charge. Don't let it happen. Don't allow your own weaknesses or the terrors of a fallen world or the sense of uncertainty about your future allow you to become troubled. You believe in God, the mighty creator God, Jehovah God, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the God who is in charge of all things. You believe in that God, the eternal God who knows the end of a thing before the beginning even begins. You believe in that God? Then equally believe in me. Equally believe in me. Because in the beginning was the Word, and Word was with God, and the Word was God. So Jesus Christ was not some first century hippie walking around in sandals with long hair, saying nice, loving things, uh, giving everybody a warm fuzzy. No, Jesus was God wrapped in skin. Jesus was God visiting planet Earth. Jesus came from there to here. God visited us and looked at us through the eyes of Jesus, spoke to us through the mouth of Jesus, listened to us through the ears of Jesus, and felt our pain. Through the life of Jesus. So he says, put your faith and your trust and your hope and your confidence in me. My confidence and my faith is in Jesus Christ. What I've gone through lately with the home going of Kathy, I want to tell you, it has driven me to the word of God, even though I've preached since I was 18. I started preaching when I was 18. And now that I'm 42, I've been going a long time. I've preached all my life. I have preached the vast majority of my life on this planet. I have delivered the Word of God, and it's been a high honor to do it. He saved me young and led me into the ministry when I was still a teenager. I was a teenager, hair down to here, skinny as a rail, no high school. But he laid his hand on me and said, I want you to preach my Word, now go for it. And I did, and I've been doing it all this time. But when Kathy went home, I began to go into the Word, into the promises about heaven, and the promises about eternal life, what Jesus said. Isn't it funny how the Word of God, you can read it a thousand times and then read it a thousand and one times, and something else jumps out at you. It is a living Word, a God-breathed Word. He breathed it through His holy men of old. He moved on them by the Holy Ghost. They were born along by the Holy Spirit, and they brought the Word of God. It is an eternal Word. It is an infallible Word. It is an inerrant Word. There are no mistakes in the original text. It's the very Word of God. So I went, I began to dig and read about heaven again and what Jesus said. And you can't find a better place than John 14, 1 through 3. And so Jesus, to comfort them from what was troubling them, he got their eyes on heaven. He turned them from earthly things to heavenly things. No wonder Paul said in Colossians, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. For you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God, Colossians 3. And so Jesus began to talk to them about heaven, and that's the way he lifted them up. So I'm going to talk to you about heaven today. He said, let me tell you some things about heaven, the place where all who trust in me are going to go. See, this earth is not our home. We are strangers and pilgrims only passing through. This world is like a hotel. We're checked in for a while, but one day we're checking out, and we're going to a place where we're going to be forever and forever and ever and ever, ages upon ages without end. We are eternal, and we're going to an eternal home. And Jesus got their eyes on that. 
And he said, I want you to understand, disciples, that heaven is a prepared place. Heaven is a prepared place. He said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. That word mansions is taken from a word that can mean abiding place, dwelling place, home, not just mansion." but a place where you will live, a place where you will abide forever and forever and forever. Now, very plainly, what he's calling the Father's house, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. The Father's house is heaven. It's heaven. The Father's house is heaven. And the Bible tells us that after Jesus was resurrected from the dead, he hung around for about 40 days, appearing to people, over 500 people, saw a man who had come back from the dead. And he appeared to James, John, Peter. He ate fish and walked through doors that were locked. He appeared in their midst. He had a glorified body, unlike anybody that has ever walked the planet. His body was not subject to gravity. It was not subject to normal law. It was a glorified body, so much so that Mary didn't recognize him when he had risen from the dead. She thought he was the gardener until he called her name, Mary. And she understood him and knew who he was by the way he called her name. And he calls you and I by name as well. He knows you by name. He knows his sheep by name. And we follow him. He calls us by name. The Bible reveals that after 40 days... Jesus lifted up his arms. You can read about it in the Bible. He lifted up his arms with the disciples standing there, and it says he was taken up into heaven, up into the clouds, and disappeared into the clouds with all of them, necks craned, eyes peeled, watching him rise. They were so transfixed that an angel had to come and break the spell and tell them to get with it. And he went back to heaven, and you know what heaven was? It was a homecoming to him because he had come from heaven. He had come from heaven to tell us about heaven, to take us back to heaven. That's why Jesus came. He told his listeners he had come down from heaven. John 3, 13, listen to this. He said, no one has ever gone to heaven in return. No one has ever gone to heaven and come back. But the Son of Man has come down from heaven. He came down from heaven to tell us about heaven to deliver us from the devil, to break his grip over us, to deliver us from hell, to show us the way, to teach us the right path, to shine like a light. He came down from heaven. And he also told them that when his work on earth was finished, he was going to go back from whence he had come. He was going to go back home. He was going to go back to heaven. He said, if you love me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. If you really love me, you would be happy for me that I'm going back home to the Father. He said, if you really understood the glory and the beauty of that place, you would be very, very glad for me that I'm going back home because it's so much better than this devil-infested, sin-infected world. Heaven says Jesus is the Father's house. Let me tell you about heaven. It is not some cold, sterile, empty, boring place where you're going to float around on some cloud playing a harp. I'd be bored with that in three hours flat. When I used to think that way, I didn't want to go to heaven. I thought, eternity? Playing a harp? But no, 
we will never get tired of being in heaven. We will never get weary of being in heaven because in heaven, Jesus is going to have us doing things. We're going to be busy. Eternity is going to march on. We're going to see him like he really is. We're going to be in his presence forevermore. We won't have a microsecond of boredom. It'll be bliss upon bliss, joy upon joy, revelation upon revelation, glory upon glory. It'll be an unbelievable place. Heaven. Say with me, we're all going there. He was eager to get back there. No wonder Paul the Apostle said, For to me, living means opportunities for Christ. And dying, well, that's better yet. Verse 22, But if living will give me more opportunities to win people to Christ, then I really don't know which is better, to live or to die. Sometimes I want to live, and at other times I don't. Now, was the man suicidal? Was he depressed? Was something wrong with him? Was he having an emotional breakdown that he said, Sometimes I don't want to live here? These days when somebody calls you and says, I don't want to live here anymore, we make that phone call. But Paul wasn't depressed. Paul wasn't down. Paul wasn't blue. Paul knew something that most people don't know. He had been caught up to the third heaven. He had seen things no man is supposed to see. He had heard things he could not repeat on earth. It was not lawful for him to even repeat what he had heard. He had seen the glories of the third heaven where the Father dwells. And once he saw it, earth grew strangely dim in the light of the glory and the grace that he had seen. And he began to salivate and long and yearn for that place called heaven. Now he goes on. He says, sometimes I want to live and other times I don't. For I long to go and be with Christ. How much happier for me than being here. Do you believe that heaven is a glorious place, a beautiful place, an incredible place, a wonderful place, an unmatched place, an inconceivable place? You can't conceive of the glories of heaven. Now, the Bible reveals that when Jesus went back, he got busy. Matter of fact, positionally, the Bible says he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. Where is Jesus right now in heaven? He is seated at the right hand of Creator God Almighty, Elohim. He is right at His right hand. He turns to the left and talks to the Father. The Father turns to the right and talks to Him. He's right there, highly exalted, name above every name. There's not a name higher than the name of Jesus in heaven or earth or under the earth. He's right there in heaven. That's his position. But experientially, what he's experiencing, Hebrews tells us, therefore he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Can you say with me, he's praying for me? Let's say it like we mean it. He's praying for me. What is Jesus doing right now? He's at the right hand of the Father, and you know what he's praying? I pray that you make it. I pray that you run your race. I pray that you keep the faith. I'm praying you don't mess up. I'm praying you don't stumble. I'm praying you don't ruin your life. I'm praying that the devil does not succeed over you. I'm praying for you like I pray for Peter. I pray that Peter, though he was tested, I pray that his faith would not fail, but when he returned, he would strengthen the brethren. He's not praying that we never have a trial. He's praying that when we go through the trial, we come out like gold and our faith is stronger than it's ever been. He's praying for us. 
But you know what I like? It doesn't stop there. He's busy in heaven. You know what? He's still in the carpentry business. No, I really mean it. He's in the carpentry business. On earth, he was a carpenter with his stepdaddy, Joseph, because Joseph was not his daddy. God was his daddy. But he had a stepdaddy, Joseph, and Joseph taught him to work in wood, just preparing him because this is what he's going to do. He said, listen, I go to prepare. I go to prepare a place, an abode, a dwelling place for you. I'm going back to heaven to build you a dwelling place, a home. I'm going to put my hands to it. I'm going to build you a place. I'm going to prepare you a place. The word prepare is powerful. It's translated from a Greek word. It means it's used in the New Testament for preparing a meal. You wives, you get in there and you prepare a meal. You know, the meat, the potatoes, and the gravy, and you set the table, and you prepare a meal for the family. That's the same word, I'm preparing. I'm going to prepare. Or the same word is used when Jesus told his disciples to go and prepare the upper room for the first Lord's Supper. The same word. Paul used the same word when he writes Philemon and says, I want you to prepare a room for me to lodge in. I'm coming. And I want a room to be ready for me. I want a room to be prepared for me, Philemon. So the word means literally to make a place ready for somebody who is soon going to arrive. Make it nice. Make it comfortable. Make it so that they are blessed in that place. So Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us because we're soon going to arrive. What is this life? It is a blink sandwiched in between two eternities. You live, you do a few things, you die. Your life is a hiccup. But you know what? Isn't it funny how important our life is right now? Even though this is just a dash, even though this is just a camera flash, even though it's a blink, even though it's a hiccup sandwiched in between two eternities, it's the time, the moment, the season, the place where the rest of eternity is decided for you. But what I like is Jesus didn't just say, I'm building you separate housing. You're going to be separated. You're going to have a house over here and a house over there. And then one down yonder, I'm building you separate dwelling places. That's not what he said. Because the wording that he used means that it's all going to be under the canopy of the Father's house. What a comfort the words of Jesus are. No wonder Paul the Apostle said that the sting of death is taken away by the promise of eternal life through Jesus Christ. When we lose a loved one, as I have just recently experienced with the loss of my wife, Kathy, we hurt and we miss them, but we don't hurt like those who have no hope. May the Lord's words regarding heaven and eternal life comfort you as they have comforted me. And now, don't go anywhere. Our announcer has some important things to share with you as a valued Life Talk listener. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. 
These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111, or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now, or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. Today's program is entitled, When the Big One Comes. You can get your own copy of this message for just $5 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.